Hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. Start with a random article, explore it, then follow the links and see where it takes us. So, John, what's your random article for today? Alpha D. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I just said. It's a no, It's a guy. Uh, it's a girl. It's a um. It's a guy <laughs> who is uh, named uh, who was born Sadamid Sidnali. Uh, has and he is a uh, Nigerian fashion designer, often known as the magician of the <laughs> desert. So, uh, okay. since I have uh, Nigerian Mugatu over here, what do you have, Eric? <laughs> well, John, I'll give you two guesses. <laughs> uh, first guess, town. Incorrect. Oh boy, what's the second thing that we always come across? Oh boy, what is it? It's a, it's, it's, it it's. No, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I got this. How about I'll, I'll tell you the name uh, of the article and then okay. you can guess what it is. Oh, okay. okay. All right, that's fair enough. Let's do that. The name is Spargonophis Sulfurian. Stop right there. Yes, of course. It's some sort of probably uninteresting biological thing. It is a species of moth. Another moth. <laughs> uh, it's there's so many organisms and life forms on this earth. We haven't gotten the paramecium. We haven't gotten any kind of bacteria or virus. Yep. We just keep getting moths. <laughs> Why? Why? Yeah. What is wrong with you, Wikipedia? Why is your algorithm favoring <laughs> specifically towns with no people and moths? <laughs> I've cleared my browser history. I've like I've gone in. I've done it. Like I've done a deep scrub of it, trying to make sure that you know there's no established like pattern of me being interested in this kind of thing. So I don't quite get why why this keeps happening. Yeah, I mean, oh, you know why? You know why probably because Wikipedia is built by people, and because somebody who had an interest in moths. I don't, I'm not convinced there's somebody who has an interest in towns with no people in them. But <laughs> um, somebody who has a very, you know, robust knowledge of not of moths. Some moth experts, probably like, like, you know, the right-hand man to the CEO of Wikipedia or something. <laughs> Just sits around and makes moth articles all, all day. Yep. That is most likely the case. Yeah. Like, there could be articles for other things that are more interesting, but there aren't. Because somebody <laughs> felt like making mods the thing that there are articles about. Mm -hmm. Alright, anyway, so uh, looks like we're going to Alpha D. Alpha D. That's uh, Alpha, like you would think it would be spelled, D-I at the end. D-I. Yeah, that's where we're starting out. Alright. It's all one word. And he is uh, without a picture. Okay. But it is notable that he is from the Volkswagen Touareg, 
Uh, which is as it would happen, an actual uh, uh, place in Nigeria. He's also from an upper caste lineage, which is hmm. <laughs> Didn't know Nigeria had a caste system. Yeah. Hmm. It says he was also born in uh, Timbuktu in Mali, but moved to his parents' native Niger at a young age. Okay. And he actually studied at Cardin Savard Studios in Paris and started his label in 1984. And his first haute couture line was released in 1985 at the Paris International Tourism Trade Show. And his line has since expanded into sportswear and perfume. And the Alpha D line, which has complex Alpha D boutiques in Miami, on Ruvo, mm-hmm. Ivory <laughs> Coast, and Paris. Oh, neat. So he's very high fashion, seems like. I mean, he's made it into, Paris, into the Paris scene. Yeah. I mean, that seems like the place to be if you're into fashion design. Right. So since he has a foothold there, he's obviously taken seriously. He's just, you know, he doesn't feel the need to expand, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. In 1998, Alpha D was one of, the th- one of the three African fashion designers to win the Principal Prince Klaus Award. The other two were Tete Adzedu from Ghana and Omu C, which they don't feel like telling us where. <laughs> Eh, it's probably not important. I mean, nah. I mean, they did bother to mention the other people's, but... And in, also in 1998, he created the first FEMA, the International Festival of American Fashion. You thought it was soccer, didn't you? <laughs> and this event allowed African designers to come together with other international designers, such as Yves St. Laurent, Kenzo... Jean-Paul Gaultier and Paco Rabanne. Since then, the event has been going on every two years. And in 2007, he, he launched a new contest during the FEMA and Hip Hop FEMA contest. Doesn't say what the new contest is. Alpha D maintains production facilities in Miami and Morocco and splits his time between Miami and Paris. He is married mm. and father of six. Oh. Pretty pretty global citizen. Mm-hmm. That guy at the globe was Miami and Paris. Miami. Miami. Welcome we to should... Miami. Welcome to Miami. Anyway. Uh, not sure what Miami is. Yeah, I've not heard of Miami. Is that like the Nigerian equivalent of Miami? I mean, it doesn't have a link to Miami, so we're just gonna have to. There, there, there is, there is one actually up in. Uh, is there? Yes. Up in. Ah, I do see it up there. Next to Anruvo. Well, do you want to go over to Miami? Let's go to Miami. Say it. I know you want to say it. Just. Uh, no? Nothing to do with the Will Smith reference? Alright. 
guess that was a little tongue in cheek anyway. Um, Niamh. Niamh. is. Enamel. Enamel. Niamh is the capital and largest city of the West African country, Niger. There we go. It lies on the Niger River, primarily situated on the east bank. And it's an administrative, cultural, and economic center. And the population is estimated at 774,235 in 2006. And it now projected to be much higher. So, well, okay, so it says that up there, but then if you go over to the info box... Says as of 2011, the population 1,302,910. Which they could have just said. Yep. Don't know why that they still have that line up there. Don't know. But yep. So it's nice to be in a city that has more than two people in it. Yeah. Yeah. This is pretty good. Good place to be. So Miami was probably founded in the 18th century. So a pretty recent city, really. Mm, yeah. Uh, but it was of little importance to most of the country until the French developed a colonial post there in the 1890s. This rapidly grew it into a important center in the country. In 1926, it became the capital of Niger, and the population gradually increased from about 3,000, that's it, huh. in 1930 wow. to around 30,000 in 1960. Hmm. Uh, and in the period from 1970 until 1988, the economy apparently boomed, driven by re- revenue from uranium mines nearby. Mm. And Miami grew from 60,000, or from 30,000 in 1960 to 108,000 in 1970 to 398,000 in 1988. <laughs> so it was on the move. Yeah, this is uh, probably one of the fastest growing cities that we've come across yet. For sure. Oh, my word. Not only did they take up, not only were there more people, but they took up more land. The city expanded from 1,367 hectares, which is 3,380 acres, to 4,400 hectares. Or 11,000 acres. They went from 3,000 acres to 11,000 acres by 1977. Seven years. Yeah. Man. Yeah, they... That population... That population. (laughs) I mean, that... That grew... I mean, they got like... A million three hundred thousand people in under a century. Yeah. That's (laughs) pretty good. Yeah. And for some reason, it says, by some estimates, the population had reached 800,000 in 2000. And then in 2011, government press estimated the total urban population at over 1.5 million. So that's even more than the estimate over here on the side. Even though they're from the same year. Yep. <laughs> Hey, it wouldn't surprise me if it grew 200,000 200, people. people. Why not? Why not? If everybody in the city, if every couple in the city has a baby, that's totally doable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a major cause of the increase 
has actually been um, in migration for work and during droughts, as well as wait, what? High population growth, just people like having babies. Oh, okay. Just spitting out the babies left, right, and center. Yep. And then the last, this last factor, the population growth means a major, a majority of the city, city's citizens, are youths. So, 300,000 parents, 1 million kids. <laughs> the horror. The uh, horror. <laughs> man, yeah. Covers an area of 97 square miles. The climate is semi-arid and hot, with an expected rainfall of between 20 and 30 inches a year, mostly beginning with a few storms in May then transitioning to a rainy season, usually lasting from sometime in June to early September, when the rains taper off pretty darn quick. Most of the rainfall is from late June to mid-August. There's practically no rain from mid-October to April. Yeah. Miami is remarkably hot throughout the year. In fact, it is one of the hottest major cities on the planet. Wow. Average monthly high temperatures reach 100 degrees Fahrenheit four months out of the year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And in no month do average high temperatures fall below 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. (laughs) In no month. The average. (laughs) The average. It doesn't get below 90. (laughs) That is nuts for a city with this many people in it. Oh, my word. Now, during the dry season, particularly from November through February, nights are generally cool, and average nighttime lows uh, range from 57 to 64 degrees Fahrenheit. Hmm. Wow. That's a hot city. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have a nice, uh, another little population chart over here showing um, 600 in 1901. 3,000 1930, 30,000, etc. 250 in 1980, and 750,000 in 2005. So even from 2005 to 2011, just six years, it doubled. Doubled. The growth is still exponential. Man. But I guess if you think about it, if every couple had a baby, then that does it. Pretty darn fast. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so it looks like they have some uh, little attractions here. There's actually a national museum, which has a zoo, and a museum of vernacular architecture, and a craft center, and uh, exhibits including dinosaur skeletons, and the Tree of Tenere. I wonder what that is. Yeah. Seems like we're supposed to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there are also American, French, and Nigerian, Nigerian culture centers. Had to say Nigerian to <laughs> differentiate from the peoples of Nigeria, who right. would be Nigerian. Um, there are, like I said, though, they are. There are several major market centers, including the large Miami Grand Market, a traditional wrestling arena, and a horse track. Mm. Oh, and there's also uh, an airport called the Diori Hamani International Airport. And there's also the National School of Administration. 
the Abdu Mumuni University and the Higher Institute of Mining. Huh. So there's like a mining school. It's interesting. It has to be. I mean, they got to have safety standards somewhere. They're not yeah. going to be in the mines in Africa. <laughs> yeah, I guess we can't just keep living by the standards set in the 1800s of, eh, let's just send people in there and start doing stuff. Right. They mostly still do that. But yeah. What they do is they, they'll tell them about all of the terrifying things they're about to face first, <laughs> how to handle them if they happen, and also probably coach them and their families on how to accept the fact that they may die. <laughs> uh. Yep. Oh, it's a 90% Muslim. Which yeah. I guess kind of ma- makes sense that it's African country. Yeah, yeah. Muslim uh, Islam is a very dominant uh, religion throughout a lot of Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says that Niamey hosts the largest mosque in the country, the Grand Mosque of Niamey. Oh, wow. And the city is also the headquarters of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Niamey. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. There's also a small Baha'i community in Niamey, which, if you don't know anything about Baha'i, it is the uh, kind of uh, coexistence religion. Hmm. Um, so there's some pictures here of the uh, Ministry of External Affairs of Niger building, the Grand Mosque of Niamey, which is kind of cool looking. Yeah. Uh, and also a picture of Niamey in December 1930. I tell you, you <laughs> wouldn't you wouldn't have guessed this thing was going to become going to become some sort of one million three hundred thousand person boomtown mm-hmm. un- under a century. And it also shows the division of um, the city into s- separate like quarters or communities. Um, and I like how they just kind of name it Niami the first, Niami the second, Niami the third, all the way down to five. Yeah, it's it's nice to like not have to worry about neighborhoods or like yeah. Manhattan, Bronx, Battery <laughs> Park. Is that Battery Park one? Oh shoot! Oh no, Battery Island. Is that what it is? Oh man, it's better <laughs> to be like Niami one, Niami four, <laughs> Niami three. Oh shoot, they're all in a counterclockwise. Uh, yeah, or no, clockwise. Yeah. yeah. If you look at it from the top, it just kind of goes. It's like, all right, where's Niami three? It's between two and four. Yep. And it's right there. <laughs> Nothing is illogical about it. Yep. I mean, I guess that's kind of the nice part about having a city that has grown this fast, mm. this recently, is that you have like a pretty good idea of, of, of like you have a lot of educated people who are like, let's make this city smart. Let's make yeah. it so that it makes sense. Right. Well, what do you want to investigate further here? Well, let's see. There's a lot of stuff that keeps us uh, kind of in Africa, which I'm not opposed to. We can check out uh, what exactly these five uh, districts are. They do all have their own link. That's true. Uh, I think it's primarily gubernatorial. Like That's how they break out the the, the governing of of the area. It's based upon the communes. Mm. Uh, Let's see... We can also see some uh, uh, the social events there. They have a link here to the 2006 Abdu Monomi University protests. Hmm. Could also check out that tree of Tenere. Yeah, yeah. Like, what is that thing? I'm pretty curious about that. That seems like something that's pretty relevant. So relevant that they expect us to just kind of know what it is by inference. Yeah. Because, yeah, they have other things like 
dinosaur skeletons. And then, eh, the Tree of Tenerae. <laughs> like, you know that. Dinosaur yeah, skeletons, Tree of Tenerae. You, you know what that is, right? Like, I guess I should probably know. We should probably know. We should probably know. You should probably know. <laughs> You're going to know. We're all going to know. Let's know. <laughs> Let's go know. Now. Seriously, it looks like that tree, doesn't it? Yeah. It's that tree. Absolutely. That's the one it is. It's the one that gets struck by lightning in the Jerry Bruckheimer films. Yep. It's it's that tree. <laughs> it's Yep, it's a tree that we've all seen before. It was a solitary acacia? Yeah, yeah, acacia. Aca uh, yeah, I think something like that. Yeah, something. Um, that was once considered the most isolated tree on Earth. The only one for over 250 miles. And it was a landmark on caravan routes through the Tenere region of Sahara Desert in northeast Niger. So well known that it and the Abre Perdue or Lost Tree to the north are the only trees to be shown on a map at a scale of one to four million. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my so god. So this is actually on a map, this one tree. Says the tree was located near a forty meter or one hundred and thirty one feet uh deep well. It was knocked down in 1973, supposedly by an, <laughs> supposedly by an apparently drunk truck driver. Wow. I mean, to be fair, it's the only tree <laughs> in 250 miles. What are the chances if you're drunk driving in the desert that you're going to hit that? Yeah. There's nothing else around you to hit. Like, how did that happen? Yeah. There's no... There's, there's, there's no reason. There's an infinitesimally small chance of you going into this desert and hitting this tree. Like mm -hmm. you can look for it, sure, but like, wow, that must suck for anybody <laughs> trying to navigate the desert now. That's awful. Yeah, I imagine that person who did that was probably pretty broken up about that. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty big deal. Like you have destroyed the only tree in. 250 miles. Not only that, but it says here that the tree of Tenere was the last of a group of trees that grew when the desert was less parched than it is today. So this tree was the last of its kind. Mm. That's, yeah, there's another reason to be broken up, I guess. <laughs> Although, you may have put it out of its misery, it says the tree stood alone for decades. Mm. During the winter of 1938 through 1939, a well was dug near the tree and it was found that the roots of the tree reached the water table 108 to 118 feet below the surface. So this tree was trying hard, <laughs> really hard to stay hydrated. Uh, well, yeah, they, they, uh, they really push it, you know? They, they do what they have to do to survive. That's true. That's true. Life just uh, grows roots really deep into the ground. <laughs> Yep, you just keep on growing till they find something. You sure do. Oh, here we go. In popular culture, uh, the sculpture representing the tree of Tenere and the tree's story feature prominently in the 2006 film La Grande Finale, or The Great Match. 
in the film, a group of Toreg nomads in the Sahara races to find a power supply and broadcast reception for their television in time to watch the 2002 FIFA World Cup final between Germany and Brazil, eventually using the tree sculpture as a makeshift antenna. <laughs> okay. That's pretty cool. That's pretty good. Um, oh. Okay, so... Um, yeah, it was knocked down by that allegedly drunk Libyan truck driver in 1973, but it has since been replaced by a simple metal structure representing the tree. So they at least put something up in its memory. I guess the question becomes, this allegedly drunk truck driver that hit the tree, how did anybody verify that he was allegedly drunk? Because how are they going to get to him? Because the mm. only way to navigate to him was the tree he just knocked down. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not quite sure how that would have worked. But, uh, you know. I mean, I imagine that's a pretty easy getaway, though. Like, if you knock down that tree, you're like, hit it, run. Uh, well, nobody's around, so. <laughs> I think what happened was nobody was around. He hit the tree. He got out of his truck, and he was so torn up about it <laughs> because he was actually a good person that he then proceeded to take alcohol out of his truck, and mm. then he got drunk and was drunk once people got there and found him morbidly be. depressed for destroying <laughs> the only tree for 250 miles. Or maybe they saw the, like, tracks from his truck and they noticed hmm looks like he's swerving a lot that could be I mean but that's then a again if I was in the desert and there's nothing around hey maybe I might swerve too just yeah. for fun just to keep it's yourself like, entertained there's nothing know, else around to do or see yeah why not uh, you know have some fun with it while you're driving because there's one tree to not hit that's why <laughs> <laughs> one um, day you're swerving the next you're smashing into the only tree for 250 miles yeah what are the chances? What rotten luck. Man. Okay, so that pretty much wraps it up for this article. Yeah. Uh, where to from here, though? Well, there is a see also link that is list of famous trees. That seems like a good place to go to. <laughs> oh, this even gives you... This is a nice little chart. Uh, it's a list of trees from around the world. Gives you a breakdown mm. by uh, real forests and living trees. Uh, in different continents, uh, it breaks uh, mythological, religious, and fictional trees out into separate categories. And mm. uh, among the uh, category or the columns in this spreadsheet are name of the tree, the species of the tree that it is, where it's at, closeness to what closest to whatever town it is, uh, how old it is, and uh, what significance it has. And in the significance column, if possible, they do seem to have provided a neat little uh, picture for you to look at yeah. of each tree. So this is a very nicely completed, like, very... Like, each of these is like its own little brief article, yeah. practically. This is probably one of the best little lists that we've come across. For sure, for sure. I think one of the more fascinating things here before even scrolling down the article is if you look off to the side on the right to the contents uh, portion of the article, you'll see that there is a category for Africa, Asia, Europe, North America, Central America, South America, and Oceania. <laughs> so that's uh, interesting. Maybe there's some cool trees just kind of floating out in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, take a little... 
trip down here. Let's see. In Africa, um, some living trees. We've got the cotton tree, which I'm not familiar with. I mean, I'm sure I'll recognize some of these trees, but um, there's also Wonder Boom. Wow, it is a boom. Yeah, that's a very, very widely spread out tree. That one's a fig tree in South Africa, and it's going all over the place. Mm -hmm. I guess it's just one tree, but they have it, like, fenced off. It has, like, its own, <laughs> like, pen. They're afraid of where it might go if, it, if it's unleashed. Yeah, and then we got Drago Millenario, which looks pretty cool. It's a very tightly bundled, mm -hmm. like, uh, it looks like a really tightly bundled bundle of sticks. Yeah. It looks like, like a broom. Yeah. Like, like an like old broom. school broom mm -hmm. turned on its end. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And the one that doesn't have a picture is... Arguably the coolest one. <laughs> Sunland Baobab. It's a giant and ancient Baobab tree with a pub in the hollow. Which is... I mean, come on. Can you have a more baller tree than that? <laughs> That's pretty wicked. Yeah. I'm going to go over to the article just real quick. There is an article for Sunland uh, Baobab. So, are you serious? There's no... Mm, no... There's no There's no. No picture of this pub in this tree. All right, taking it to Google. Just uh, going to check out. Ooh, that's pretty cool. Okay, yeah, this is worth doing. Oh man, this tree is like all sorts of like weird growths. It's let's see, how big around would you say that is? Oh boy, that's hard to say. I mean, that's really, really big. Yeah, you gotta get, you have to get a scale picture of one of the ones with like people yeah. circling it to get an idea of how wide this thing is. Yeah, I could see a whole pub fitting in there. That's legit. That's real legit. It's about 12 people across. <laughs> yes. At any given side. Yeah. So it gives you, you know, like 48 people all over the place. Mm -hmm. Man. And the pub inside looks really cool, too. But, uh, I mean, if it's a pub inside of a tree, there's pretty little chance that it's not going to be cool. Exactly. Like, that's a very unique situation right there. But I really like what they've done with it. It looks like it's not an entirely enclosed pub. Like it's mostly mm -hmm. wow. Some of the, if you scroll down some more, you see that the pub really opens up. Like they show you nooks and crannies of the thing compared to what's actually in there. Hmm. Like there is an opening at the top, but there's like an entire dining room inside of this thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, back to our back to our list. Back on topic here. All right, and then obviously the. One that we just were at. Yes. Okay, we got Asia. We got Sisters Olive Trees of Noah. Some claim these are the oldest living trees on Earth. Legends refer to these trees as the source of the olive branch in the Genesis flood narrative. Ah, hence Trees of Noah. Got it. Unfortunately, they do not have a picture of this one either. Next up, Cedars of God. And based on the pictures, this doesn't really look all that remarkable. But apparently it says a small forest 
of about 400 Lebanon cedars at about 2,300 meters above sea level in the mountains of northern Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon are mentioned in the Bible over 70 times and used as symbols of the Messiah. Okay, so it seems like that is really the major significance of these things. Because otherwise, they just look like a normal forest. This is all Asia, too. Yeah, I mean, so far, it looks like it's all been Lebanon, but uh, next one down, the Great Banyan. Now, that's cool. That one's neat. Uh, it's a colonial colony of the Indian tree, the Banyan, with a crown circumference of over 330 meters. Hmm. That thing's just growing through <laughs> everything around it. It's like a vine on crack. Yeah. Wow, I don't quite crazy. understand where it starts and stops. <laughs> it's everywhere and nowhere. Yeah, it looks like almost it's not even in the frame. Like, it's just showing the branches. Where's the trunk? I mean, I don't see where it's going back to. Like It's mm -hmm. all coming from everywhere. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something I'd like to see. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I want to climb that thing. <laughs> I mean, those branches look sturdy enough to hold me, and they go everywhere. That's like something straight out of Fern Gully. That's like <laughs> stuff you can like Tarzan like vine surf on. Like it's crazy good, crazy good. This tree. And the next tree doesn't even have a name. Okay. It's just the <laughs> just a one thousand three hundred year old ballot tree. Yep. Okay. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Got a Jaya Sri Mahabadi. It's a sacred fig. Propagated from the body tree under which Lord Buddha became enlightened. So this one also is just mainly historical significance here. There's one called the Joman Sugi in that one's cool too. Uh, Yakushima Island in Japan. That one's cool looking. Mm -hmm. uh, just says that it's an ancient specimen, but it <laughs> looks it looks like wise somehow. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a cool looking tree. Yeah, definitely. We got the Great Sugi of Kayano. It does look pretty great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's got some uh, interesting character to it. Um, Not to mention, it's 2,300 years old. Yes. <laughs> that is old. Quite an accomplishment for a tree. Yes. Uh, and the next notable one here is Big Banyan Tree, which it looks like a bunch of trees just looks, that are just like sticks that were put together. Which makes for a cool effect. Mm -hmm. What makes for a cooler effect is the monkeys fighting on a bench <laughs> in the foreground of this photo. I think that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a lot more interesting, really, but uh, yeah. that's kind of funny. <laughs> I like that. It's a nice touch. Let's make that the cover photo. For, for the Wikipedia Chronicles. Nice. Yeah. You'll edit my head and your <laughs> head onto them. There we go. Done. And next we got Tree of Life. Oh, hey. In Bayron. And, yeah, I think I've seen this one before. There's some chairs below it. <laughs> some really shoddy plastic lawn chairs. Is this the tree from, uh, I think this is the tree that they feature in the movie The Fountain, isn't it? Oh, that could be. I'm going to bounce over there because it looks a lot like, I mean, like, based on what that movie's plot is, that would make sense. Oh, it's mentioned in the movie L.A. Story, hmm. but it doesn't say that it's the one, it looks like it's the one that it was based off of, though, at the very least. 
Unless there's other trees of life in other continents, which there may be. We'll have to see. Oh, neat! The next one down is the Chankiri tree, or the Killing Tree, in the <laughs> Cambodian Killing Fields. A tree in the Killing Fields against which children and infants were slung to kill them. Ah, very nice. Yes. Something the whole family can enjoy. Indeed. <laughs> um, on a less morbid note, there is the uh, Ying Ki Pine mm. in China. Its apparent significance is that it is a uh, welcoming guest's pine on mm-hmm. the Huangshan River. Um, it's a cool looking tree. I like it. Yeah. And we got Methuselah. The formerly extinct stru- tree was sprouted from a 2,000 year old seed. So that's cool. Just a little tiny guy. Ooh, and then next, we got a Guinness World Record holder. Here we go. Thimama Muramanu. Um, It is the world's largest banyan tree, spreading over 11 acres. That's a tree. (laughs) One tree. Yeah. And that's just the largest banyan tree. That means we haven't gotten (laughs) to the largest tree. Yep. Okay. Man. And I'm assuming that means probably roots. Yeah. Because the tree itself, I can't imagine. <laughs> no. No, it can't, it can't actually be just one tree that's just like around the trunk. Yeah. It would fall over, wouldn't it? That'd be, that'd be <laughs> impractical after a bit. Yeah. Okay. And we got some historical ones. Right. We got. Let's move over to Europe. We got Old Jiko from Sweden. It is 9,550 years old. The oldest known individual clonal tree in the world. Wow. Uh, So, I mean, you wouldn't think to look at it. It just kind of looks like a normal little tree there. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Ooh, this other one with a picture. Uh, Caesar's Boom. It's in Belgium. It's kind of a weird little tree. It's kind of like bent. Just kind of like leaning off the edge of a brick wall. Yeah. And it's noted for the legend that Julius Caesar tethered his horse to it during his conquest of the region. Yeah, uh, George Washington slept on it. (laughs) Ooh, there is a U in Paris, or sorry, not in Paris, in France, which is considered uh, one of the oldest, 1,600 years old, but its trunk, interestingly, is hollow, and it can hold up to 30 people. Ooh. Yeah. That's cool. There's another tree known as the Forest Swastika. (laughs) It is of the large variety and, of course, is located in Germany. A patch of carefully arranged larch trees covering a 60-yard square area of pine forest. Hmm, how could that have gotten there? <laughs> we got the something called the Queen Elizabeth Oak in England. And it's said to be the location where Elizabeth I of England was told she was queen in 1558. It's a short little tree with a big opening... Kind of looks like a little gazebo. 
Then we got uh, Kongigen, the king oak in Denmark. And it is the oldest tree in Denmark. Kind of looks like, uh, I don't know, some horses maybe. Yeah. Horses with antlers. Ah, there's a nice tree known as the Major Oak, <laughs> located in Sherwood Forest. Oh. The cultural significance being that it is the tree in which Robin Hood lived. No, uh, the <laughs> most famous and most visited tree in Great Britain, about 800 years old, uh, with a girth at breast height of 10.5 meters. Hmm. Oh, this is a cool one. Um, the Stelmuse Oak in Lithuania. It's got some kind of craziness going on. Um, I love how protected some of these trees are. Like, this one has its own, like, fence, and, like, they've built a wall, oh, a stone retaining wall around it just to make sure it's okay. Like, they just care about this tree. It's been there for so long, and it's just like, no, we got you. Don't worry about it. Don't even trip. Next one down is the chestnut tree of 100 horses, known because you can tie 100 horses to it and still have room for more. <laughs> uh, it is a huge, huge-looking tree, mm -hmm. again, with its own retaining wall and fence. <laughs> it is located in Italy. It says probably the world's oldest chestnut. It's so interesting how long some of these trees live. Like, mm. so many trees don't seem to live that long, but then every once in a while you just have one that's just kind of <laughs> like, well, I'm just going to keep on living. <laughs> Oh, then we got uh, Biobero de Casurzo, and it's a tree that grows in a hollow tree near Grana, Piemont, Italy. That's really cool looking. Yeah. It's like a phoenix tree. <laughs> That's awesome. It's like, hey, I see you're not using your tree stump anymore. I'm just going to grow inside you, okay? Okay. <laughs> Done. Ooh, this one's known as the oldest oak in Belgium, Le Grand Chain de Leno. Or the big oak <laughs> of, I don't know, uh, 900 years old, but it may also be more than 1,000 years old. They're not quite sure. But again, they built a fence for it because yeah. they love it. <laughs> yep, they want to take any chances. Heck no. There's a lot of drunk drivers out there. There sure are. <laughs> Some place within 250 miles of their trees, for sure. Oh, and then there's a tree in Greece called the Olive Tree of Vuvs. Vuvs? Vuvs. Okay. And it is confirmed to be at least 2,000 years old based on tree ring analysis, but it is claimed to be between 3,000 and 4,000 years old. I wonder how they do tree ring analysis on trees that are still living and not cut down. Hard to say... Uh, Maybe there's some kind of like um, X-ray for trees. Yeah, or like uh, some kind of like sound thing. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I know, think that is a thing. Like Maybe they send sound waves through and see how fast. I don't know. Maybe they can take it and they can like uh, look at rainfall totals based mm. on years and like just measure the, the the circumference and figure out from the circumference of the diameter must be and then based on the diameter uh, they can figure out how thick it is and based on the rainfall totals from the years and given the fact that years where there are is more rainfall the rings uh, are thicker they can calculate based on other trees of a similar species uh, what exactly their thicknesses of the rings might be and so based on the t total diameter they should be able to figure out 
how many rings it is, approximately. Seems legit. Which is why they, I mean, it's a lot of tree knowledge, I know. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Mathematically, that would probably work out pretty well. Yeah. They got to figure it out somehow. Uh, let's see here. There's also the Pai de Letre Bronc in Catalonia, Spain, which is a pine tree regarded as symbolizing the unity of the Catalan countries. Uh, Midland Oak in Warwickshire, England, and it's reputed to mark the center of England. Which is kind of odd. It's just a tree. Yeah. There's a bunch of other trees around it. It's just kind of like in a place. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a very unremarkable tree otherwise. There is a next on the list, the Najevnik Linden tree, which is a small-leaved lime tree believed to be around 700 years old. It has since become a traditional meeting place of Slavian politicians and a cultural venue. Mm. And guess what, guys? There's a fence. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, under historical, there is the Anne Frank tree, which is featured in Anne Frank's diary. But unfortunately, it was destroyed in a gale in the late summer of 2010. A lot of these don't have pictures. Nah. Which, I mean, you know, doesn't diminish their importance, but it does make me less interested. <laughs> Although once we get to North oh. America, we also don't care about trees. It looks like <laughs> there's so few pictures in this in this article. One thing that I wish had a picture was this uh, red forest in Ukraine, um, formerly no, formerly the Wormwood Forest, refers to the trees growing in the 10 kilometer 10 square kilometers surrounding the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. It is one of the s- several of the Chernobyl disaster effects. Um, the name Red Forest comes from the ginger brown color of the pine trees after they died following the absorption of high levels of radiation. Hmm. Sounds like it could be something interesting to see. In North America, there are actually really old trees near us that I didn't realize. Uh, Hmm. Namely, there's one called the Angel Oak, which is 1,400 years old, even though it's just an oak tree. Uh, It's on Johns Island in South Carolina, near Charleston, South Carolina. There's a tree named Arbol del Tul, which is the stoutest tree in the world. (laughs) What does that mean? It's fat. It means it's fat. (laughs) It's a wide tree. It looks like there's no famous trees in Pennsylvania. Unfortunately, no. However, there is the General Sherman tree. That's in Sequoia National Park in California. But it is somewhere around 2,300 through 2,700 years old. It's the world's largest giant sequoia, which is kind of neat. Apparently there's also one called Methuselah in California, which is a candidate for the oldest known living organism at 4,700 years old. Wow. It's a shame there's not a picture of that at all. Oh, there is on the actual article. They just didn't bother bringing it over. (laughs) 
Oh, okay. There's also moon trees grown from seeds taken into orbit around the moon. Huh. Don't know if that qualifies them as being from the moon, but... <laughs> Ooh, this one's cool. Pando. Not the media booster. Not the spyware. <laughs> this one is a quaking aspen in Utah. It's the oldest known colonial colony or clonal colony at possibly 80,000 years old. Hmm. And it's the heaviest at 6,000 tons. Uh, clonal hmm. colony means that it's all the same tree, technically. Like, there's nothing else reproducing uh, yeah. with it. It's just kind of like making more of itself. It just looks like a bunch of trees, but it's yes. all connected. It's all it's all one tree. Yeah. It's all pando. It's essentially branches coming out of the earth. Yes. Instead of... <laughs> right. Instead yeah. of having a trunk in right. the conventional sense, like a one tree would. But still, 80,000 years old. Hmm. I don't care how you're doing it. That's a heck of a long time for one tree to be going at it. <laughs> yeah. Oof. And there's something called Perryville Tree Engravings in Maryland, which are trees carved by mentally ill veterans. Oh. Okay. That could be creepy. Could be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> could be very creepy. The Pincho Sycamore, largest tree in Connecticut, an ancient sycamore named for Gifford Pincho who I believe was governor of Pennsylvania, so <laughs> don't know why uh, he was... Hmm. Yeah, he was the 28th governor of Pennsylvania. Don't know why he was... Has uh, 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 a tree named after him in, in, in Connecticut. <laughs> oh, because he was born there. Well, okay. Uh, Fine. And we got one with a picture here called the Treaty Oak. And it's an octopus-like southern live oak. Is in Jacksonville, Florida. Estimated to be 250 years old. And it's very cool looking. Yeah, it really is very octopus-like. Branches mm -hmm. growing up, down, all over. Be a very fun one to climb on, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the next one down is the tree that owns itself. <laughs> the tree that owns itself. <laughs> According to local folklore owns itself and all land within 2.5 meters of its base. What? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Somebody gave this tree legal rights. <laughs> this tree can vote now. It's a white oak that technically makes it a white property-owning male. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. as far as the Constitution is concerned, that's a citizen. And yeah. they can vote. <laughs> Well, we're fresh out of pictures on this article, Eric. You want to say we should bounce, or should we... We could either bounce, or we could bounce. Let's bounce. <laughs> the ladder. The ladder. Uh, oh, there is a tree in Pennsylvania. Oh, there is one? In York. Okay. In, uh, hist under historical. Yeah. National Christmas tree. Yeah. It was transplanted. Oh, so it was... Okay, so it's in Washington, D.C. Or from, yeah. It was transplanted from New York. And it was put in Washington, D.C. only to be destroyed by a windstorm <laughs> in 2011. Of course. Yeah. Well, we had a good run. Yep. Good try, Pennsylvania trees. Keep up the good work. Uh, All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Ooh. Wait. Wait. Okay. Wait. Last one. The Calixi... Calixilon tree 
age 250 million years old. <laughs> it is petrified. Um, discovered on a farm, it was the largest example of a petrified tree when it was discovered in 1913. And after a 23-year dispute with the Smithsonian Institution, the tree's fragments were displayed on the East Central Oklahoma State University in March 1936. Cool. Oh, but we didn't check out the Oceana. We didn't yet, no. What is the Oceana? Looks like they're all from Australia. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, no, no weird island trees, as it would turn out. No. Just some impressive trees in Australia and sometimes New Zealand. And Hawaii. <laughs> there is one tree that was used as a prison. What? <laughs> Called the Bob Prison Tree. And if bouncing over to the article, you can see it looks like a one-man jail cell, pretty much. Or in the sense that it looks like it could hold about one person. And really only if you force them in there. Yeah. <laughs> There's no evidence that was ever actually used for holding prisoners, but it's a cool story. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, there you have it from Alpha D to List of Trees. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> so, if you enjoyed this, please visit facebook.com slash podcast. Give us a like and follow. Head over to iTunes, rate and review us. And you can also find new episodes on our website, twc.erictoribio.com. I'd like to thank Louis Armstrong for our theme song and Jack Kelly for our outro song. So thanks again for joining us. I was Eric. And I was John. And this was the Wikipedia Chronicles. Excellent. Oh, I didn't go too far. It's a good thing we caught that recording we did. Otherwise, this, this whole this whole night could have been botched. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Yeah.